This is the official version of this People story. People must know this story. This is what's going down in the history books. Oh, my books. God. And this is one of my mild stories. And he's like, yeah, I was walking along. I saw all of its tracks, and the strides are like seven feet long. And he's like, and then at one point, you can see where it turned around, and it took its young off its shoulders and set it down. Today on the Sit and Bent podcast, we have Steven, the official cameraman What's for up, all the everybody? Grindhard Plumbing Company videos for over a year now. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Bigfoot, and we're going to talk about getting swindled in Malaysia, <laughs> and uh, all those kind of things. So this is kind of yeah. the whole background and history of Steven. Let's start from the beginning, though. What is your first memory? Oh, no. Um, you can ponder. You can yeah, ponder. I'm going to have to ponder. My first memory? Yeah. I mean, that's a good place to start. I mean, like, I was like a small child at my first memory. <laughs> You'll have that. <laughs> You'll have that on these bigger jobs. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really know. That's a good question. Hmm. Um, well, where I mean, were you I born? remember being like a kid, like playing hmm. with Legos, like building little cars. And we used to build like RC cars and stuff with Legos. They're actually pretty cool. Yeah. And you yeah. had full, like, rubber band guns made out of Legos. Oh, I yeah. Met you. I remember that. I used that. to make bolt-action rubber band guns with Legos. That was, like, kind of before YouTube was, like, super premium. Mm -hmm. Like, there wasn't many tutorials and stuff. Like, there were some videos, and I remember seeing this guy built, like, a Gatling gun with these rubber bands, and it had I this I saw that thread. video. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> sick. Yeah. Yeah. It had this thread, so, like, this motor would spool it up, and the thread would slowly unwind and pop off the rubber bands. But I remember being like, wow, that takes too long to reload. Mm. It's like, what if you had a bolt-action system that you could, like, you know, pull it back, the rubber band would hook, and then you'd actually fire projectiles. Oh. And so I made releasable clips for this bolt-action rubber band gun, all with Legos. And then I remember my mom getting really upset and being like, you're denting all my cabinets. <laughs> like, oh, so it was working well. It worked really well. It, it was surprising. <laughs> yeah, it'd get jammed, but yeah, it was a pretty good design. Oh. Well, where were you born? I was born in Spokane. Really? Then, yeah. Wow. So, so you're technically been, in Washington. I was technically a Washington boy. Did you grow up in Washington? Um, only for a few years, and then we moved to Spirit Lake when, gosh, how old was I? Maybe like six or something? Five oh. or six? Moved to Spirit Lake and got my first, like, true winter experience. I remember, like, going out and sledding and trying to snowboard and all that stuff. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. what were your parents doing at the time? Uh, my dad was building houses, and my mom Spokane. was uh, kind of all around, like mainly Idaho at that point. Um, and yeah, my mom was a ballet teacher, so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Were you participating in ballet? Unfortunately, yes. So when you moved to Idaho then, then what? Your dad was still building houses? Yeah, he just built houses, and I did a variety of different hobbies and crazy stuff growing up. I mean... I was running around in the woods like any Idaho boy, um, building forts, making tree houses, all that kind of fun stuff. And um, you were homeschooled always, even then? No, I was in public school for a while till like third grade. And I always joke that I dropped out of school in third grade, which isn't really true because I did do some curriculum. But um, yeah, at some point, my mom's like, I don't think I can teach you any more math. And I was like, well... I'm good at math, so I should be fine. <laughs> I did all the Idaho State tests, and I always passed. So, so you technically have out. your GED then? Uh, <laughs> that's actually kind of a funny story because I was going to NIC when I turned 16. I was part of the dual enrolled program, mm -hmm. and that's I did the like local community college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I did a couple years of NIC, and then at some point, I was, like, registered for all my extra classes. I was working full-time, so it was hard for me to, like, do, like, a full load of credits mm -hmm. for my degree. Um, and I remember they were like, oh, they called me, and they're like, hey, we had to drop you from all your classes. Like, you don't have a GED. I was like, well, I have, like, a 3.6 GPA. Yeah. I'm like, why do I need a GED? They're like, well, you were dual enrolled, but once I turned 19 or whatever, that wasn't applicable. So they dropped me from all my classes, which was actually quite frustrating because I'd been, like, putting off my speech classes and all these other things. Yeah. And I'd finally been like, okay, I'm going to sign up for these. And I ended up getting, like, a bunch of swindly teachers because I had to, like, rush and go get my GED before they'd let me re-sign up for classes. And then I missed all the, like, good ones. So. Oh. Yeah. So I do actually now have my GED, but I don't know where it is, or I've never used it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you that's what you have. Yeah. That yeah. works. So I, I yeah. do have equivalent of high school education and an associate of arts. Quite useless. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Premium. So when you were a kid then, you were, when you went homeschooled in the third grade, why? Um, you just moved into the middle of nowhere and it was difficult or? No, like I'd been going to elementary school where we were living. Um, there was another kid in my class that went homeschooled and I don't remember why. Like I was however old you are when you're in third grade. Eight and I was ish. like, yeah, something like that. And I was like, mom, I should be homeschooled too. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, I could do so many Legos if <laughs> I was homeschooled. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's how that happened. She agreed to it because I was like, I wasn't that bad of a kid, but I was getting in a little trouble at school because like I was kind of smart, at least then. Like I don't know if I'm smart now. But I think you're really smart. Um, yeah, kind of in specific ways maybe. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so it just kind of worked out for us, and then I was homeschooled, and yeah. Okay. That's the situation. <laughs> That's the I don't situation. Know. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what was the first thing you got like really into and passionate about besides Legos? Oh, probably like, oh gosh, I don't know. I've been into all sorts of things. Um, parkour was kind of early. Um, but I remember not knowing it was called parkour and just, like, doing tricks and being like, wow, this is so cool with all my friends. And, um, like, I had been in gymnastics for a little while, so that kind of translated. That's how I met you, isn't it? Yeah. It was that parkour gym. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. It's all coming back to me. This is our, <laughs> our friend Sam, who used to be on the channel a lot. Um, he was – I was at the same gym, and I've seen you around or whatever, but we didn't, like, know each other. And we both made dubstep music. So Sam oh, was like, that's Sam right. was like, you got to meet this kid. He makes dubstep. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, no one else in Idaho makes dubstep. I remember having that same <laughs> thought in my yeah. head. I was like, wait, this guy's like DJing and making electronic music. I was like, no one else does that well here. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, honestly, okay, that's a whole thing I didn't think about. But yeah, music yeah. was a huge part of my life. So you'd have already had to have been doing music way before then. So when did you start doing music? I think I was like 12 and I got a keyboard and like the um, sample version of Ableton or whatever came mm -hmm. with it. So I could only do like eight tracks. And I remember like my dad got it for me because he's like, oh, you're going to record piano music. And then I just remember, you know, like instantly trying to make like synth sounds. And that's right around when I found like Skrillex and all of that stuff. So I immediately started making electronic music. And yeah, it was actually interesting. That progressed quite a bit for me. Um, I remember getting like resident DJ offers and then having to be like, bro, I'm 16. Like I can't <laughs> move to Vegas right now. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, you had a similar situation though. Yeah, I did move to Florida for a resident DJ job that ended up being a looser concept than it actually <laughs> oh, was. No. Didn't really pan out <laughs> like it did on paper. <coughs> no, this guy was basically like you're going to get paid this much a week, you're going to do three shows a week, and then you're going to remix artists for my label. Oh, like yeah. he had a label and other artists that were released on his label. I thought it was all legit. He sent me contracts. I signed the contracts, moved all the way to Florida the day turned 18. I showed up and I was like, where's your club? And he was like, I don't have one yet. Oh, no. <laughs> He's like, but I'm building a club. And I figured if you were here, you could help me. Oh. And I was like. So you got swindled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I showed up there with all my gear ready to go. <laughs> thought I had this good job lined up. I mean, it was paying. Like, it wasn't, like, too good to be true. Like, it was definitely a starving artist situation. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. Like, and the blog, I mean, it was called Dirty Decent. It actually had, like, a lot of views. And, like, they had artists signed under oh, their dang. label. And they were releasing music on iTunes and Beeport and, like, at the time, it wasn't quite as easy. Like, right now, you can just, you know, pay 20 bucks and get your music on iTunes. Yeah. You used to have to, like, it was a process before. Yeah. So, uh, I, I remember like, oh, sweet, I could get my music on iTunes. Yeah. Like, let's go. And, uh, yeah, I showed up, and it was basically all a lie. And he did end up giving me, giving me like, one or two gigs. But, yeah. That Not was what <laughs> you were promised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a good thing you didn't sign up for any of these resident DJ things. Yeah, I avoided I all mean. of that. <laughs> I did have some exclusive releases with like dubstep.net when they were first starting, which was kind of yeah. cool. And they were huge. They were the biggest thing. Yeah, it well, they weren't that Monster big at Cat. first. Like, because um, I remember, uh, I think his name was Jason Winter or something, reached out to me on Facebook or whatever, because I was big on Facebook then. I was trying to promote music on Facebook and SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. And he reached out to me, and he's like, hey, like we want to exclusively release one of your songs for when we reach 10,000 followers. Really? Yeah. You're that early? It was really Holy early. smokes. I didn't know them until they were like at 80 or 90K. Oh, okay. Well, now they're at like over a million. Like they have like dubstep.com. They have like all the drum and bass stuff. I don't know where that sits now. I haven't looked into that in yeah. a long time. All I know is Skrillex cut his hair. Skrillex cut his hair? Yeah. I know he released a new album, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. Did you listen to that? Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Zed's new album's awesome, too. But Oh, wow. See, I need to get caught up. I've been <laughs> I've been mainly listening to, like, blues lately. Ooh, yeah. Like, you know, heavy metal, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, we got to make a heavy metal song for the movie that we're going to make through mm -hmm. Grind Hard. But let's get back to your progression. So when did you start playing music? Because you... I started pretty young. Like, I started... I think I got my first piano when I was five or six. And I did lessons for a while. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, this is kind of freaking stupid. I was like, yeah. they're like, oh, yes, play Mary Had a Little Lamb and you have to do it perfectly. And I was like, bro, I want to write music. Yeah. And I did at one point have a piano teacher that was like really willing to accommodate that. And she really helped me like kind of learn music theory from more of a yeah, creative stance. Mm. And then after she retired, I had another piano teacher and it was back to the Mary had a little lamb nonsense. Oh no. So at some point I was like, this is not for me. And I quit doing lessons, but I still played like an hour or two a day all the way up through like college. And yeah. So what, what I guess that was one of my first things. Have I ever told you what made me want to start making music? I don't know if you have. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. So, you know, uh, Freaky Friday. Oh no! 
You want like, oh like when they did like, the girl band at the, the end, yeah the like, remake ah! yeah 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 and they're like all like I don't know like that's when I was like oh wow girls are premium it was <laughs> like, girls are premium it was like eye opening for yeah. me I was like oh cool like I should be in a rock band with some girls <laughs> that's what I was thinking <laughs> after I saw that movie oh and what a so, plot twist yeah. now you build cars with dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's funny. So, so Pink Slip was your first inspiration. Yeah. Wow. And the I go. had a crush on the specifically the bass player. She was like goth. I was really into like goth oh, and emo girls yeah. at the time. Did you and I and have so the same taste then? <laughs> <laughs> like the black bangs. Yeah. Like uh huh. Cut sideways with like purple. Oh, whatever yeah. you got. Yeah, I was oh, into yeah. it because I was into that kind of music, and so. But yeah, I had a crush on the bass player. And so when I walked out of the movie and one of my friends had just started playing guitar mm -hmm. and he was getting good really quick. And I tried a lesson with his teacher and it just didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But then I went to a different place and my guitar teacher was Doug Bond. Doug and so Bond. he's like, Doug Bond. He's like, like James Bond, but Doug. <laughs> James Bond, but Doug. <laughs> and I was like, heck, yeah, I like this guy. He doesn't have quite the same ring, but yeah. I like it. <laughs> and so he wasn't trying to tell me chords or structure or anything. He was like, what song do you want to play? Oh, that's cool. And I was like, okay. I think it was like a, a Beatles song or something. And he was like, okay. And he just, it was like three chords. And he showed me those three chords. And he's like, practice these three chords. And then he showed me like oh, strumming nice. and picking and finger picking and stuff. And it was cool because he is in like a local folk band that's actually really good but i wasn't into like that kind of music mm -hmm. but he didn't try to teach me what he knew he tried to teach me what i wanted to learn and then you know he showed me like the music wheel like all the chords that kind of oh sound yeah. good together see and that's that what i was lacking like with my piano classes they're just like oh we know you want to learn this but really we have to do like step a b c first yeah and i'm like i don't want to do step a b c i want to play some freaking cool songs yeah i think we have a very similar way of learning and we're both like very self-taught and i guess you might have not had that proper hatred of high school since you never did high school yeah like no i never properly hated high school you would have though yeah. knowing oh. you oh yeah I high school's the worst yeah. <laughs> although i was actually pretty good i was pretty straight edge until i was like 18 or 19 right around when i met sam and then i was like <laughs> oh wait like we can go climb water towers if we want and like i remember climbing those radio towers on top of canfield and being like wow this is premium i oh, can yeah. see the fireworks <laughs> so well from up here that was one of the first time i flew a drone i oh, climbed it with the drone remote while i was flying the drone and drone remotes used to be like this big oh i remember and i was like yeah. oh no wait was i up there with you that yeah. day oh, uh-huh cool for sure i remember being up there with you once and it was daylight because we'd been going up to those radio towers a lot uh-huh and then that guy on the four-wheeler showed up and was like hey get down from there oh, i remember yeah. being like every man for himself oh and yeah. i just like slid a hundred feet down that ladder uh -huh. and you were like climbing down slowly and i just was bolting <laughs> into the bushes at that point already yeah he's like i'm not a, gonna get caught yeah he even had a gun on his four-wheeler that was intimidating oh that's that's kind of common i feel like <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean if you service that tower i mean the odds of there being a bear or a wolf up there like pretty oh yeah high. it's pretty high but we had a drone so like that you know yeah you'd, like scare the bear with the drone maybe or piss it off. <laughs> maybe you could. Maybe you just make <laughs> it mad. I don't know. I don't remember thinking that much about bear safety in those days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the school of hard knocks. You you learn once you see a bear. Yeah. If you're in North Idaho, I learned boy. once I got charged by a mama black bear. That's when I learned. Yeah. I wasn't there for that one, unfortunately. No, you weren't. That what was happened with, there. Um, that was with Lane. Uh, you're good friends with Lane and Michael. 
you know, another one of our good friends. We just worked on his van mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we were like walking down this trail. We were going to go camp. This was somewhere in Canada, kind of near Vancouver. I don't remember exactly where, but walking down the trail, Michael's in front of me. And can we swear on this podcast? Sure, I just censor it, but yeah. Oh, okay. Because Michael's quote is, oh, and then he dives headfirst <laughs> off the trail into the bushes. And, like, this trail is, like, it's one of those trails where, like, you got the trail and it's, like, cliff here and cliff here. So, like, there's nowhere to go. Oh, and you're he just dove stuck on the trail. down the, the down cliff. the bank and revealing to me, because I was second place. Oh, no. I was second in line. A mama black bear just running straight down the trail at me. Oh, and I just no. remember Lane being like, what do I do? What do I do? And he's right behind me. And I'm like, I don't know, bro. And I was like <laughs> putting my hands up and like slowly walking back. And the bear stopped like very close to me. Like, Oh, no. Like not quite like touching distance, but close enough that I was like smelling her breath. And I was like, oh, no, this <laughs> is not premium. So we just slowly backed up for a while. And then the bear went into the bushes. Michael finally climbed back out. And then we saw her cubs out in one of the fields shortly oh. after. We were like, maybe we shouldn't camp out here. We didn't bring any way to hang our food. We were just going to, like, sleep on the ground in sleeping bags. And shortly after that, we ran into another group of people. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's so many bears here. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, yeah, we know. <laughs> so, we experienced yeah, that. My respect for bears came, yeah. came then. My first bear scare was actually with Lane also. Um, his house was kind of by the lake it was like there wasn't any houses between his house and the lake but it was still like a probably two mile trail to walk there Mm -hmm. and this trail is just in the middle of the woods and there's all these berries bears love it normally they're super chill like we saw some small ones whatever some babies like nothing crazy but (coughs) one day we were going down there with our friend colin and he was like very like lazy and like i've never seen him run like we were on the same soccer kind of like together. a chicken joe type character <laughs> exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just yeah. like at the time like and he's he's really smart and like awesome but like at the time just i don't know it was like this teenager like too cool to run kind of a thing you know mm-hmm. so yeah that's a good guy to get caught with a bear with. <laughs> you would think, right? Oh, no. So I was uh, bench warmers with him on uh, the soccer team. Mm-hmm. So we just, like, sat there and, you know, our parents made us do it. So we just sat there and watched our team play. Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah. that was our role in all of things. Yeah. But so we're going down, walking to the lake. It was, like, the middle of the day. And, um, oh, shoot, no, it was dark. Oh yeah, we were gonna go down there and see. Middle of the see. day and dark are two different, yeah. <laughs> two different scenarios. Especially when there's <laughs> a bear involved. So since it was dark, we got really close to the bear. We saw these eyes, and then it stood up like a big old, whir, you know. Oh no, <laughs> we saw the eyes and we're like, oh no, and it just went like really mean. <laughs> and Colin took off. We all ran. Lane was like the star soccer player in school. Colin and I were bench warmers. Colin beat both of us like crazy oh, to the house. You got and that kid scared. <laughs> he got scared <laughs> and he went. And so I was last, which you want to be. I thought that I wasn't the slowest. You want to be at least not the slowest when you're running away from a bear. I mean, you shouldn't just run from a bear in general. <laughs> yeah, that's but not proper you know, bear safety techniques. Like when you get startled by a bear, what are you going to do? Like not run away? Yeah. Like. You're going to run away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was last, and luckily the bear didn't catch up, but he was actually chasing us and growling for a while, which was really terrifying. 
but we got out of there and then um yeah one of lane and i's first uh, rave songs was actually called Bear Scare. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Oh, I don't think <laughs> I've heard Bear Scare. Bear Scare. Bah, bah, bah. That sounds premium. It's really bad, but we were learning. Yeah. So did you ever DJ, or were you really more on the production side? No, just the production side. I'd set up things so I could DJ, but I never really got that into it. We recorded, like, a few live sets, right? With, like, a... Um, some. The only real one that I did is I, uh, I set up this janky, like, multi-camera system to record a, uh, like, live performance thing, mm-hmm. and I ended up getting an honorable mention for this, uh, competition I was doing for mm. it. It was, like, some kind of remix competition, but they wanted it. It was, like, controllerism, and I think... What are those called? Do you remember those little, uh, tablet things where they had, like, four-by-four four grid of arcade buttons? Oh, but it yeah. also had sensors for if you tilted it and you yeah, could program everything. That was so cool. I wanted to win one of those so bad. Uh-huh. And I got like fourth place in this competition oh. where they gave one to the top three places. And I got the honorable mention. Mm. And part of it was like I had taken the sample pack apart and like made my own samples out of the sample pack. And I think they wanted to see what people could do with just the normal samples. And oh. I made like an entire custom set. I've like made the same I, mistake before. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I did a bunch of like uh, like glitch hop type effects and all of that stuff. And I think they were really wanted more like electro or dubstep style. Yeah. And I was just kind of like soloing with my keyboard and I'd go back to my controllers. And yeah, it was fun. That video's on YouTube. Really? Yeah. I still think you should do the, what were you going to call your, your piano channel? He was going to start this piano channel where he just like oh, basically jammed. It was like the, the, hippie oh the piano hippie yeah, yeah unfortunately that channel still lives on too so if you guys want to see what i look like <laughs> when i was like 17 oh yeah you had a fro oh i had a fro yeah that's before <laughs> i got dreadlocks yeah like my life went downhill after that like yeah. started getting dreadlocks yeah. and then i was like wow traveling is yeah. great <laughs> let's, let's go back to the chronic chronology the chronological order see yeah. that's tough but there's a name for that though timeline yeah, so yeah. I think we've got to the point where you're like, where were we? We kind of went off I, I really don't know. We've been on a lot of oh tangents. Yeah. So you did the piano teaching, and then you got the new piano teacher. And so now we're yeah. probably, what, in like the sixth grade-ish? Seventh, I like don't even. 12, 13-ish? I, I don't even know, man. It's <laughs> like, all blurred together. I don't, it's all blurred together. Like, mm. um, yeah, after high school and college, yeah. <laughs> um, that's kind of well, where my like story starts. I feel like it's skipping starts. over a lot of stuff, though. Oh, it's skipping over a lot. Like, my whole lacrosse days, that was really <laughs> You played lacrosse? Yeah, dude. I was a sports ball guy for a minute. You were a straight-up, like, jock guy? No, no, not really. Like, I was the homeschooled kid that got let onto the high school team. Oh. And at the time, I think I was playing for Post Falls District or something. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I did lacrosse. And I remember I'd never played sports in my life. Like, I was so uninterested. And then my mom was like, I think she gave me an ultimatum. Like, you're either going to do this or this. I don't remember what the other thing was, but I was like. Worse than lacrosse, I'm assuming. Yeah, I was like, well, I guess I'll do lacrosse because I had a friend or two that were playing lacrosse. And I was like, this seems like kind of a fun sport. Wow, the rules are janky in lacrosse. Like, you can really annihilate people with those sticks. It's so fun. <laughs> really? And, like, I'm a pretty small dude. Uh-huh. So they'd always put me in midfield because, like, I was pretty athletic. I was doing triathlons, yeah. like, running. So doing you're, like, kind of a running. run and pass kind of person. Yeah, I was, like, a midfield person. So, like, I'd sprint to one end of the field and sprint back and, you know. Um, 
So I was quick, and I could dodge everybody, which was really fun. It's like extreme dodgeball with consequences. <laughs> Pretty high consequences. You don't really wear pads, right? No, you wear pads. Like, you have full, like, mouth guard. Like, it's like football, kind oh, of. Oh, really? You I even mean, have helmets? Yeah, you have I've helmets I've never seen lacrosse. Yeah, and it's amazing because you have the sticks, right? Uh-huh. You have to get the ball on the sticks and cradle it, and, like, you know, you can run with the thing. But the rules are insane. It's so much fun. You can jab as much as you want as long as you're aiming for, like, their ribs and hands <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Like, you're not really supposed to, like, smash people. <laughs> it's but like you can Fortnite. Just yeah. <laughs> you can poke the hell out of people. It's so much fun. It's like I would just, like, sprint up to people, and I'm this little guy, so I could just, like, run into the shoulders of everybody else, and I'd go up to people and just be like, pop, 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 pop in the ribs and, <laughs> like, smashing their hands. And, yeah, it was nice. really fun. Okay. But I, the <laughs> I'd always get pushed out of bounds. That's how they'd take oh, me out. Oh, because you're so small, they'd just kind of like... Yeah, they just kind of shoulder me and push me out of bounds. Yeah, it was fun. I actually made goals. I was actually pretty decent. Nice. But then I stopped doing sports ball and got back into parkour. Yeah. So maybe that's when I got into parkour. I don't know. Then yeah, the right timeline's a blur. Like when did you start learning how to code and like making... Oh, I was like 14 or 15 when I started doing that too. How did that start? I don't know. Just genuinely interested in like I, everything or I think I took like a class on it or something. So like I was homeschooled, so my mother was like paranoid that I was gonna be socially awkward and like all these type of things. Yeah. You um, kind of were when I first met you. I oh think. yeah, I certainly <laughs> was. Yeah. I've now you're like the now. most social person I know. Oh yeah. But now when I'm I first met you, you were kinda like I was like, like it yeah, took Sam well. like because I was kinda like that too. <laughs> Sam like forced us together he's like you guys are going to be best friends like, yeah and, and then we pretty it. much were yeah like, exactly <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah i started learning to code i think i was like 14 or something i made some like really basic two-dimensional video games and then at some point i got a computer and uh, like a computer of my own and i downloaded unity when unity was like kind of in its developing stages and i started learning 3d programming and stuff and that never really went anywhere i remember talking even to you, like, because you were doing some modeling and stuff. We were like, let's make a game together. And then realizing we bit off way more than we could chew. Yeah. To actually make a cool video game, you either got to dedicate many years and many hours or, like, have a team. Yeah. And I didn't really know coding to, like, the level I needed yeah. to know it for that. Our video game, though, the tank could, like, drive around the world and shoot. That was cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I remember trying to program planetary physics, and I was probably, like, 16 or 17, and I was like, wow, gravity's more complicated than I expected. Like, I was, like, doing all <laughs> these math codes, and um, yeah. I eventually put together a rendering of just, like, a singular planet, and I just had these little orbs that would orbit it, mm-hmm. and you could click on the screen to put an orb in place, and it would orbit the planet, and I could adjust, like, the velocity and stuff. I was just trying to dial in, like, the math for it, because I really wanted to make a game that was, like, different planets that would orbit each other, and then you could fly around with a ship and, you know, fight other ships. But then I thought it'd be cool if, like, as you got closer to other planets, like, the gravity would kind of pull you in. Yeah. So, like, the strategy of the game would be you could, like, fly from one planet's orbit to another and, like, kind of use it to, like, slingshot yourself back around. And that is so much more complicated <laughs> than yeah. you would think. There are games that do it now, though, that are really oh, good. Oh, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, but they have, but like, 100-person developer teams. Yeah, And they sure. actually probably know how to do math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they can consult. Yeah. They have the money to, like, consult an actual, like, physicist and be like, all right, how does this work? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I don't know. I dabbled in a lot of different things. Then I got into photography, which kind of ties into where I am now 
Yeah. But when did that start? Uh, through parkour stuff. Yeah. Because everybody had cameras. I don't know what it was about the parkour kids and cameras. Everyone had Canon T3Is. And yeah. I actually bought Ethan's old Nikon was my first camera. Um, it was like 16 or 17, I think. And yeah, I think it's because the the parkour community was born by the viral videos. Yeah, and that so was early it was on like YouTube. Part of it. Like every single person in the parkour community like had a camera, made videos, uploaded them to YouTube. And I think too it was so popular the videos were actually doing pretty well. Yeah. Like I had like a bunch of friends that were actually like making money on YouTube. Like that's one of the first I mean I've always been like huge fan of youtube oh but yeah that was like the first time i've heard of like normal people like peers people my age making money on youtube but actually one of the first monetized channels ever uh was destry and he went to my high school oh really yeah oh that's pretty interesting yeah so i was like yeah so i had some kind of early exposure to that but definitely super true like yeah it's like if you're a, a dirtbag guitar player like if you don't have any money but you have this really nice guitar like, all the parkour kids saved all of their money for cameras, lenses, and just traveling state to state yeah. to do, like, parkour with different it, people. It got brutal, dude. Yeah. I remember, like, um, so you and I worked on that, uh, the Missoula gym a little <coughs> bit with Kent yeah. Johns, Mikey Graff. Yeah. Well, first, since uh, we're Micah. so close to, like, how we met. Like, we met, we made music, we did parkour together. Mm -hmm. I moved to Florida for a couple years. But when I came back is when we were, like, building the gym together, making documentaries together yeah. on that parkour gym. So yeah. this is really where, like, that's really where everything us starts. working together takes off, even though Grindhearted didn't exist yet. So right. that's what I wanted to yeah. clear up. That's, but yeah. now we're at the gym. So and we have this nice jumbly timeline yeah. up until that point. You hitchhiked there, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was your first time hitchhiking? <laughs> you should that tell that That came a little story. later. I'd hitchhiked a few times before that point. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um. Why was I hitch? I'm trying to remember now. Um, I know why I hitchhiked to Missoula. It was just for fun. Yeah. But, when but was the, the other times, time? I think like my car broke down once, and I like needed to go get my phone or something. I don't remember. Yeah. But so I'd hitchhiked a few times. Yeah. Why the heck did I hitchhike to Missoula though? Um, I think it well, was just for fun. Wasn't it to go to it the was, parkour? It was for one of the fools' jams. Yeah. Yeah. And I so think what that, happened there? Uh, I don't know. I had a car. And I had friends going there. I think I just wanted to see if I could beat them because I had the whole day off or whatever and everyone else was going to leave in the afternoon. I was like, well, I want to get there. Yeah. But I didn't really want to drive my own car there because my car was pretty janky. Yeah. Um, but every, so yeah, time you tell this, every time you tell this story, it gets like hyped, hyped, hyped. I get more and more. And it's the best story. So oh. you should just tell the whole thing. Bigfoot guy was Big an Foot interesting guy. character. <laughs> Let's just hear yeah. all, all right. of it right, all right now. Let's once and for all, it's being recorded. It's being recorded. So this is the official version of this People story. People must know this story. This is what's going down in the history books. Oh, my books. God. And this is one of my mild stories. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, like, I had a skateboard, and I skateboarded to the freeway. I had a little backpack um, with, you know, some clothes and stuff. And I just assumed, like, oh, it'll be really easy. I'll just get, like, a truck driver to take me from Coeur d'Alene to Missoula. I thought it'd be easy. Yeah. And I so I'm skateboarding there, and this guy, like, some homeless, janky dude on the side of the road's like, oh, you're going to Missoula? Because I had this little cardboard sign that said Missoula. Mm -hmm. He's like, don't take a ride if they're not going all the way through. He's like, I get stuck on this stretch of road. All the time, because no one wants to pick you up. Because, like, between Coeur and Missoula, there's just these tiny little, yeah. like, 
swindler towns. Yeah. So what do I do? The first guy who stops to pick me up goes, I can take you as far as Wallace. And I go, okay, and hop in his truck. <laughs> it's not far at all. Yeah, it was not very far. That's like 10 miles, 20 miles, not even that yeah, much. Yeah, something like that. Like, So I didn't make it very far. <laughs> I got there. He dropped me off. He's like, oh, you know. You seem like a pretty cool dude. I was worried you'd smell or something. Because, like, I had dreadlocks down to my waist almost. And, like, I probably looked pretty janky. <laughs> Just skateboarding down the side of the freeway with my thumb out. Like, oh, let's go. Yeah. And then, yeah, it took me quite a while to get the next ride. And the guy who picked me up was a class action swindler. <laughs> he, uh, I'd seen this car go by on the freeway entrance ramp. And he took the next exit. I could see it because it wasn't that far away. Mm -hmm. Circled back <coughs> around and then picked me up. And he was with his sister. And so I climb into the back seat. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, we're going as far as, like, Mullen or somewhere. He's like, I can give you a ride there, but we have to drop her groceries off first. And I'm like, oh, cool. So, like, we go to her house. I help them carry in all their groceries. And then we jump back in his car. And he's like, I don't remember what he said. It was either something like I need to check on my goats or like <laughs> something. But he's like, yeah, like, so you can come see my off-grid cabin. So now I'm like alone with this like really weird dude. There's like a shotgun in the back seat next to me. Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess at that point I was in the front because we dropped his sister off. But yeah, like, you know, like what you'd expect of an Idaho dude. So he shows me like gives me this whole tour of his off-grid area and like i didn't get weird vibes from this dude he was just friendly and like actually wanted to show me his goats and chickens and stuff <laughs> but i was like yeah man like i'm really trying to get to missoula like maybe we can get on the road but he's like kind of like just going around his property he starts like pulling weeds and stuff i'm like he's yeah, just man, like, gardening he's just, while like, you're there gardening i'm like dude like i gotta get to missoula so finally we get back in his car and he takes me one more exit up the road and then I was there for a long time. So this time. whole experience, you only made it a handful of miles. Yeah, I didn't make it very far. And it had been hours, like hours, oh, no. dude. Oh, no. But the next guy who picked me up was actually really chill. It's like some Middle Eastern dude in like a Mercedes or something. It was a nice ride. And he was really nice. But that's where the – you've heard the Cheetos and Pepsi story, right? Cheetos and Pepsi? I don't know why it's so funny to me and Michael. But to me and Michael, it's the funniest story ever. This guy – it's like, okay, I just need to get gas. So we pull off at the next gas station. He's like, you want a snack, bro? And I was like, yeah, I'd get a snack. And, like, he's like, I'll buy you a snack. Because, like, I really looked like I didn't have any money. <laughs> like, I could have afforded a snack. But I was like, cool, if this Mercedes driver wants to buy me a snack, cool. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, well, I'll get you exactly what I'm getting. He's like, Cheetos and Pepsi. It's the best snack you can have <laughs> or something like that. And, like, so now that's a joke between Michael and I yeah. that Cheetos and Pepsi is the best snack ever. So. Anyway, I eat Cheetos and drink a Pepsi with this guy, and he pulls off at another exit. Next person who picks me up <laughs> is my favorite personal person from this, <laughs> from this story. Oh, like, no. Rusty Ford pickup picks me up. He's like, hop in. And I'm like, hey, man, my name's Steven. He's like, yeah, we just like don't really have time for that chit-chat or whatever. He's like, I'm, just, I'm only going up another exit. I just figured I'd you know, give you a ride as far as I could. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. And then he looks at me and he goes, don't look my dog in the eye. It's part wolf. So I start laughing because I think he's joking. No, this guy is dead serious. He's like, <laughs> I, so I'm like giggling. He's like, looks at me like dead in the eye. He's like, 
I'm serious. Oh, I was no. like, oh, <laughs> no, like, who am I with? And then he proceeds to tell me all these Bigfoot stories and how his cousin's been abducted by aliens, like, just going off. I was like, holy smokes. That was the longest couple miles of that road trip. <laughs> you should get into the stories a little more. Oh, yeah, his story was actually legit. It's the best Bigfoot story I've ever heard personally. Like, I don't really believe in Bigfoot. I've been everywhere in the woods, and uh. I don't think Bigfoot's a thing. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we just don't but know what to look for. Yeah, I mean, well, I think we do know what to look for. Big no, ape you know guy. the, um, <laughs> but what if it's, like, different than that? Because, you know, the whole Christopher Columbus thing, he sailed past this uh, island that was, like, what do you call an island <laughs> of people that, like, haven't been exposed to, like, modern things? Like a tribe? Well, yeah, it's a tribe, but there's a name for it if they haven't. Because there's also tribes that have iPhones, Un- you know. Uncontacted. Like uncontacted. Yeah. So, sailed past this uncontacted tribe. And then they uh, came back later and actually, like, got to know these people, talked to these people. Yeah. And the w- they communicated that, like, they'd never seen them before. And they're like, but we sailed around your island with, like, these giant white sails, this big boat, like... We saw you. You had to have seen us. But they didn't see it. It was, like, so far from the realm of, like, comprehension. Oh, that they that just couldn't even, like, comprehend what yeah. it was. So yeah. they essentially, yeah. like, to them, it was I've just, like, a cloud. Story. Like, yeah. I wonder that all the time. Like, I mean, Bigfoot, aliens, all these things. It's, like, is it just so far from like anything that we understand like it's just like right in front of us i don't know this guy acted like he understood man oh, okay. <laughs> he, he was telling me he's out like i think he was hunting squirrels or something like something yeah you know, that's very Montana. what one does when you see bigfoot yeah exactly and he's like yeah i was walking along i saw all of its tracks and the strides are like seven feet long and he's like and then at one point you can see where it turned around and it took its young off its shoulders and set it down. And then there was two sets of tracks, one smaller set of tracks. And I was like, this guy is way too waxy to just make <laughs> this up. Like, yeah. maybe he really saw those tracks. Yeah. Or maybe he had had one weird squirrel meal before yeah. that. I'm not sure, but, yeah. Or ate some uh, <laughs> some of the mushrooms magic. Yeah, he might have Yeah, he might have found some kind of mushrooms, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. So, so that's that's it? Just That was his whole story, yeah. And he's, but then, yeah, he was going on about. And like then did he keep looking for it, or it was, that was it? He just knew I that he took his. I don't remember off his what shoulder. he said at that point. Like I was kind of concerned because there's like this wolf dog bringing breathing <laughs> down my neck, and like I was like thinking like, okay, I have a pocket knife and a skateboard. Like if this guy tries to take me to the aliens or whatever, like I can like hit him with a skateboard, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, I don't know. I wasn't really concerned for my safety because like I feel like I get along with like everybody, and it's all like yeah. pretty chill, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, so then he dropped me off, and then my last ride to Missoula was actually the clerk that had been working at the gas station, and she was going to Missoula to pick someone up from the airport, and pulled over and picked me up, gave me a ride all the way there, um, and then I remember just, like, skateboarding the last little bit into the parkour gym, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, you skateboarded here? And I was like, bro, you won't <laughs> believe how I got here. <laughs> I so saw funny. someone's house, and these he tried to hire you after that, right? The guy in the cabin that showed oh, you his Oh, yeah, goats. the off-grid guy. He's like, yeah, when you come back through, if you want to like help me take care of goats, I'm like, I'm not really trying to work on your off-grid cabin, man. <laughs> like, I'm trying to do fun things. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was interesting. That was kind of like where my... 
adventure travel stories started in a way. Yeah. Um, I think at that point, oh man, I yeah, my bicycle trip that was a whole. Yeah. I well, once you get the bug for it, it kind of draws you in for a long time, especially if you don't have like like a super clear direction. Like, you know, like I'm yeah. going to go to this school and be a lawyer or whatever. It's like, if you're just like, Oh, I'm hanging out doing parkour. Like let's go on an adventure. Yeah. Like I felt like I was kind of in the same like headspace of life for a long that time. That mindset is addictive. And yeah. So I guess like I'm trying to remember if it was before my hitchhiking experience there or not. Um, my bicycle trip. Do you know that when was that after, came in? Yeah. That was after that. Yeah. So I must have been pretty young when I hitchhiked there. Yeah. I don't know. I think the bicycle trip might have been before because I moved out of my house on a bicycle before I lived with Michael. So that would have happened before. Oh, okay. Okay. So I already had yeah. experience with these kind of swindlers. But <laughs> yeah, I, I literally, after I got my degree, I moved out of my house on a bicycle. Like I put everything in storage. My car wasn't working. Um, I sold a bunch of stuff, just donated a bunch of stuff. And then when my lease ended, I, like, literally rode a bicycle away from that house, met up with a friend, and we rode bicycles all the way from Coeur d'Alene to the Oregon coast. How many miles is that? Like 700 and something. No. And I couldn't. very, very unprepared. Very It's not like you were, like, a team of cyclers and, like, divvied out your way. No, there was no support. I had, like, $200 to my name. I didn't have a stove. I didn't have a tent. I had a sleeping bag and a tarp and a little janky rack on the back of my road bike. And I put on some like little beefy tires. I was like, oh, I can go anywhere with these. And I remember like seven, eight flat tires in being like, I am an idiot. Like, why did I think I could just do this? But yeah, so we rode all the way to the Oregon coast, sleeping in tarps and eating beans out of the can. And like, didn't you eat like cat food too or something? No, well, I mean, I guess if you consider tuna fish in a can cat food. Yeah, oh, I, I sure guess did. I do. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would. Oh gosh, he filmed a bunch of stuff and he sent me the footage to help him try to make a video out of it. Oh. I just saw this clip of Stephen. He had a can of cat food and he had the <laughs> lid of the cat food and he was like dipping it in and then yep. like carefully eating like around the lid because you don't want to. I didn't want to cut my lips. You didn't even bring a yeah. spoon, homie. No, I brought nothing. It was so bad, but I did bring camera gear. Um, How was sleeping in the tarp? It was great when it didn't rain. <laughs> I remember, like, waking up in a puddle one morning and being like, this is dumb. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why did this seem like a good idea? But somehow we made it. I would save my top ramen seasoning because we'd make, well, we'd make top ramen. I would just, like, let it soak in cold water and then just be like, oh, no. <laughs> it's not that good. So you probably did this whole trip for like 20 bucks. It was pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, the whole trip was pretty cheap. Um, yeah, we never paid for a campground or anything like that. We just would sleep in the ditch on the side of the road. Um, one morning we woke up, and like I woke up, and I was like, man, I was uncomfortable all night. Like Obviously, we didn't have sleeping pads or anything. Like We no. were like full dirt bagging. And I was like, why does my shoulder hurt so bad? And, like, moved my tarp, and I'd slept on a pile of shotgun shells. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that looks pretty <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, and then I remember my bike, like, was really breaking down by the time we got there. Mm. Like, it was a decent bike when I started, but most people don't put, like, 50 pounds of gear on a bike like that and then yeah. <laughs> ride 700 miles. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of miserable, but, yeah, that's kind of where – the adventure bug the started. The adventure bug started. Yeah. Then I went to like Asia with Sam after all that. How was that? 
Oh boy, <laughs> Sam is my favorite person. Like, <laughs> He's really great. You guys know Sam. Yeah. Like some of these people I, know Sam and miss Sam, and I we know. all miss Sam too. Like we try to get him up all the time, yeah. but he, uh, everyone keeps asking, so we should just say it now. He just has his own carpet cleaning business, and so he was taking that really seriously. Mm -hmm. And he moved further away. He was already driving in from really far, but he moved even further away. So he was just like, all right, guys, I'm going to just work on my own business and my faraway place. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like we wanted him to stay. We offered him to stay. But uh, yeah, Yeah. he does talk about coming out and doing like a uh, like testing out the projects or getting like a walkthrough because he doesn't fully catch up on the show anymore yeah but so we should have him up for a podcast and do a video just yeah, we showing we sam all the stuff that. we've built in the last couple of years but without yeah. him but but yeah anyways, that, that was so he went that to was asia funny. with sam i did um <laughs> sounds terrible. and at the time <laughs> it, it, well it was for me like i'd never been out of the country at that point or yeah. maybe i had i don't know i i went to europe and yeah. met my cousins i don't know that and was wherever sam separate. goes Chaos ensues. Chaos ensued. <laughs> all right. That's why I say yeah. it's scary. I don't think going to Asia is scary, but going there with Sam could be. Right. Yeah, it was another uh, chapter in my life where I didn't have that much money, and I found like a $600 plane ticket to Singapore. So I was like, all right, sounds good. Mm-hmm. And I I'd bought the ticket out of Seattle. So I hitchhiked to Seattle, got on the plane, flew to Singapore. Well, Sam was living in California at that point, and we thought we had the same flight. And I was like, I don't really want to land in Singapore by myself with, like, no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we did not buy the same flight. I land in Singapore and send Sam a message. And at this point, I didn't have a smartphone or anything like that. I had a flip phone, and I had, like, a Generation 1 iPad. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, trying to connect to the Internet and the airport, all this stuff. And I sent him a message on Facebook. I'm like, where are you at, man? Like, I thought <laughs> we had the same flight. Yeah. And he sends me a message back. He's like, you're joking, right? My flight's tomorrow. Oh, and I no. was like, oh, no. So I got to Singapore like a whole day or two before him. So you probably had the same flight number. because It the, was. Yeah. It was the same flight number. It was just not the right dates. Like <laughs> oh, We didn't no. really plan that well. Um, <laughs> but I had friends on Facebook there because this was in the parkour days, like mm-hmm. early parkour days where everyone was like friendly, super open, inviting, all that stuff. So like I knew these kids that trained parkour there. So I just sent them a message. I'm like, you guys want to do parkour? Because I didn't really know what else to do. I didn't know how to find somewhere to stay. Yeah. I didn't know, like, what I was even doing in Singapore. I didn't even know what language they spoke there. Mm-hmm. And neither did Sam. And I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> um, oh, but wow. anyway, so I, I show up with these kids. We're doing parkour. And then they gave me a key to their parkour gym. And I was like, oh, that's sick. They're like, oh, yeah, you can just stay here. Just lock it when you leave. Like, I was like, nice. wow. I was like, I'm bar- I've known you guys for, like, two hours and you gave mm-hmm. me a key to your gym that's pretty cool so anyway sam shows up i tell him what train to take to get to the station like i thought i was a g i was like oh i figured out the subways already yeah. like i'd never been on public transportation like that uh-huh um it's really cheap there too like a couple bucks you can get around the entire country nice. um so he shows up to the station the first thing he says to me is what the <laughs> language do they speak here man <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, they speak English. <laughs> Are you serious? They speak English there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that was funny. But anyway, he shows up, and he's like, how the heck? You've been here for 24 hours, and you already have the key to a gym? He's like, how did you pull this off? <laughs> so, yeah, we stayed there for a while, and then they introduced us to their Malaysian friends. So we took a cheap bus to Malaysia. Also, the difference, when you go from Singapore to Malaysia, 
It's kind of profound. You're in Singapore, high-tech city, super surveilled, security cameras everywhere, everything's nice, you can't chew gum. We get on a bus. You can't chew gum? You can't chew gum in Singapore. It's illegal. The kids I was with would, like, get it in secret somehow and, like, chew gum in private. Like, you can have gum in, like, your house, but you can't have it in public anywhere. You can't drink water on the subways. You can't eat a snack. Like, it's, like, rigid, strict. Oh, Pretty yeah. interesting, and even the the tall buildings, like um, the the housing mm-hmm. for people, <laughs> apartment towers. <laughs> what do you even call that? Apartment buildings. Oh, I didn't have enough caffeine this morning. Oh. The apartment buildings. <clears throat> um, it's really cool. So each floor has a really nice house, all the way to the the cheapest, a, a really nice unit. On the same floor as the cheapest units, mm-hmm. but on each floor. So it's not like the wealthy people live on the top and the poor people live on the bottom. It's like you are surrounded and share a common area with people in different um, financial classes. Yeah. I think that's the case like, for a lot of the city, but yeah. not, not all of it. There's definitely yeah. some interesting <laughs> stuff going on there. Yeah, but it's but. cool because it's it's such a small country that you can plan your cities in a way where you're like, trying to add some equality to like yeah people and like oh for sure like i don't know it's like it came out of nothing so recently in the grand scheme of well they don't have any exports other than technology yeah like technology banking like cloud yeah (laughs) yeah but that's Um, where they get all this money from but it's like i don't know it's a really cool social experiment and like i every time i get a chance to look up something happening there it's always like a really interesting thing that you couldn't get away with in most other countries but yeah anyways (laughs) yeah um yeah anyway We get on a bus out of Singapore. The bus we get on straight up has back massagers built into the bus. Ooh. So it was like pretty. I was like, wow, this is going to be such a nice trip, and it's so cheap. Mm-hmm. Cross the border Malaysia. We get off the bus and get onto another bus, and that was my first, like, chicken bus experience. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, the quality <laughs> went down a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. But the price went down, too. So I was like, oh, premium, because I didn't have that much money. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, we spent couple weeks just cruising all over malaysia met more friends stayed with friends um yeah i met a lot of cool people there i still keep up with some of them actually we did parkour we did some parkour shows then we went to thailand and didn't you do a show with like a super famous malaysian pop star uh well i don't think she was super famous then oh she's famous now yeah no that was cool we went to like her first concert and she was kind of friends with the parkour guys there Uh um you know like singer songwriter like pop artist so we went to one of her first concerts, and then, like, we hung out with her quite a bit. Now she's, like, number one on the Malaysia trending charts. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. And <laughs> she still talks cool. to me. I was like, wow, you remember us? And she's like, oh, I love you and Sam. I'm like, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did that. We went to Thailand. I don't remember Thailand as well. That's kind of where I started partying. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. And then I remember Sam going into rage mode because we went to Cambodia, mm-hmm. and we bought these bus tickets that were supposed to include the Cambodian visa. Like all the other countries, you just get the visa at the border. It's really straightforward. Cambodia is a little more strict. You have to like have permission to enter Cambodia by land. So like we bought these bus tickets that were supposed to include that and like transportation all the way to, I think it was like Siem Reap or something. um, One of the, you know, big towns in Cambodia. And it was going to be like this eight hour trip. It did not go according to plan, and I've never seen Sam that mad. It was so funny because, like, oh, no. I was just, like, worried. I was like, okay, like, we'll just pay him, you know, whatever money we need to. But basically what happened is, you know, Thailand, they drive on the left side of the road. 
Cambodia, they drive on the right side of the road. I was always curious how those borders look. <laughs> yeah. Like when you like go from one country to the other. Yeah. And, like so we get off this bus. It's just chaos. I mean, so is like, the bus left hand drive or right hand drive? Um, I think it was right hand drive in Thailand. Okay. I can't remember for sure though. I I was a little hungover uh, <laughs> most of the days. Oh no. Um. Yeah, so I don't really remember, but I just remember getting off of this bus and just, like, seeing the chaos at the border. Mm-hmm. Like, there's literally cows and chickens running around, and, like, there's, like, families on motorbikes. Like, literally, like, one guy driving a motorbike with his wife, and then, like, seven children just, like, just like, hanging on to the bike. onto the bike. And, yeah, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then being like, now what do we do? <laughs> We're just, like, in this chaos zone. So we mm-hmm. finally, like, get funneled into this military building where they, like, do all the visa stuff, whatever. And, like, I had these tickets for the next bus. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to that bus, and the guy took our tickets and then basically was like, you can't prove you had those tickets. He's like, here's how much they cost. So Sam already starts kind of raging when we have to pay again for this bus. Yeah. We finally get on the bus. It starts getting dark. This whole experience has taken way longer than it should have. And we're just driving through, like, these dirt roads in the middle of nowhere in Cambodia, and the bus just pulls over to the side, and then all the local guys get out, and they start pulling everyone's backpacks and all their bags off the bus. Oh, shoot. And I was like, okay. I'm like, what are we – like, is this the town? I'm like – because I could see in the distance the city lights, and I was assuming that's where we needed to go. Yeah. Like, bus goes no further. Bus goes no further. And I'm like, okay. So we all get off the bus. I find my bags. The bus takes off straight towards those city lights. Oh. And I was like, oh, dude, we got swindled. We yeah. got swindled so hard. Oh, yeah. And then, like, two minutes later, like, everyone's there. Like, there's a couple other confused tourists and stuff. We were, like, talking to them, like, trying to figure out what's going on. A few minutes later, all these tuk-tuk drivers roll in, like, a swarm. And they're, like, $20 to town, which was more than the entire bus. <laughs> Like, the entire day. Yeah. And I'm like, we're not going to pay that. And I thought Sam was going to, like, face bash this guy. Mm. He's like, I'm not paying freaking 20 bucks to get to town. He's <laughs> like, I've already paid twice for these buses. And I was like, I was trying not to fight these guys. I yeah. was like, this is my first day in, like, a fairly third world poor country. I'm like, I'm not going to, like, fight the guys with the guns. Like, that's yeah. not smart. The tuk-tuk drivers had guns? Some of them did, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, so we finally, like, I kind of, like, Sam calmed down a little bit. We finally, like, there was a few other stragglers who also didn't want to pay. And we all, like, got together and, like, just paid the guy money to take us to town and then had a great time. Cambodia was awesome after that. Um, Until, well, this part's awesome, too, but it was kind of swindly. You know you can rent guns from the Cambodian military? (laughs) I have heard that. I think I've told you this story. (laughs) They will let you throw a grenade. They will let you shoot a rocket launcher. (laughs) It is premium. <laughs> is there like a like a feedback safety rating situation where you could like look? Oh on no, Yelp none of these things like, are online. Okay. It's not like strictly legal, so to speak. But what happened is we we hired a taxi driver to take us to a military base because that's what everyone said you do. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I want to shoot a rocket launcher, which I didn't end up doing, probably for the better. But <laughs> at some point, like, and this, uh, oh yeah, Sam was with me for sure. So it was like me and Sam. And these three European kids who had never even seen a gun in their lives. And, like, mm-hmm. Sam and I grew up around here, right? Like, we've shot all kinds of guns, <coughs> like... But not rocket you know, like launchers. Tannerite. Yeah, like, exactly. And, like, not a fifty cal, you know? Um, so we go to this military base, and I remember, like, kind of feeling like that wasn't the smartest idea when this little tiny taxi that we're in, like, pulls up to the gates, 
and it's like all these giant barbed wire fences and things, and they open it up, and we drive in, and then they close it behind us, and I was like, oh, no. I was like, <laughs> I've seen some movies start this way. <laughs> but, yeah, then it was, like, very chill after that. We got in there. They hand us literally a menu for, like, guns. and Like, like has, a restaurant like, a picture. menu? Yeah, like a restaurant menu, like, laminated like had all these different pictures of guns and like prices next to it. And that's uh-huh. why I didn't shoot the rocket launcher. I think it was like 300 or 350 bucks Ooh. to shoot a rocket launcher. And it's like a hundred bucks or something to throw a grenade. I was like, Oh, I really can't afford this. I was like, and all the other guns, I was like, I've shot all these in Idaho. It's like, eh, it's not that <laughs> exciting. But the other kids there were like, they'd never been anywhere like that. Man, they were scared. I was just like, wow, it's like being at home. They just have like walls of guns. <laughs> I was like, this is cool. Um, yeah, so anyway, they ended up renting, like, the 50 cal or whatever, and they all took turns shooting rounds. I didn't end up shooting it. I was like, oh, whatever. But I do have a picture of me holding a rocket launcher, which is kind of cool. They did little <laughs> photo ops, you know. Is it, like, real? Like, yeah. they give oh, you a real one just uh, to take a picture with? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't loaded. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> like, but, yeah, I, I got to hold a rocket launcher. It was kind of fun. Nice. And then, yeah, shortly Sam after, shoot? Uh, I don't remember. He might have. I don't, I, I don't remember. Hmm. But, yeah, after that, Sam was like, oh, I'm kind of done with this, like, Cambodia-Thailand thing. He went to Australia. I couldn't afford to go to Australia, so I just stayed in Cambodia. I was like, well, it's cheap here. Beer is 25 cents. You can find a place to stay for 2 bucks a night if you don't mind a little, like, water seeping through the ceiling. Um, so, yeah, I just stayed in Cambodia. I, like, traveled with this German girl for a while. She was really cool. We went to some, like, really weird provinces, like – we went, like, as far into Cambodia as you can go on public buses. And, yeah, it was, like, literally, like, $1.50, 2 bucks a night to find a place to stay. And then beer is cheap. Meals are cheap. Um, and I remember asking, like, there was this guy from Sweden who's an expat who owned a hostel there that we were staying at for, like, 2 bucks a night. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it built up on stilts? Is that for the flooding? He's like, no, bro, that's for the tigers. I was like premium (laughs) like there's tigers i'm like and you're letting me wander around the jungle after like 10 25 cent beers i'm like oh frick like this is like intense Um, did you ever see one no i never saw one unfortunately saw elephants though elephants are cool wild elephants are they're kind of scary i bet they're like big and they have like tusks and they're like Yeah, that like, sounds like an elephant. That's yeah. the the bears of Cambodia. Yeah, well, and the tigers and like all the snakes that'll kill you and all the spiders and like there's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> I was gonna do this jungle tour, and I'd talked to these three European chicks that had just come back from a jungle tour, mm-hmm. and they looked a little pale and like a little off. Uh-oh. So I was like, like what 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 happened? They're like, well, our guide couldn't find anything to eat except for spiders. And then he couldn't get a fire started, so we had to eat raw spiders for four days in the jungle. And I was like, maybe I won't do the jungle tour. I was like, I don't want to pay some Cambodian guy to take me out in the jungle for the wilderness experience and then just have to eat, like, raw spiders. I was like, uh, nah. Because, like, I'd eaten spider before that. Like, we ate a lot of weird bugs. I wasn't really afraid How of How many most of spiders them. would you have to eat to be full? I mean, they're pretty large spiders oh, <laughs> i don't really they know. were eating like like big, big sp- like tarantula type spiders i think yeah. i'd just starve to death and just die yeah there. that's what i was afraid of so i just didn't do that part i did eat like a lot of cockroaches i was at this one bo- bus stop and the only thing i could find to eat like usually there's all these vendors and they have like you know like mystery meats and sauces and stuff and you just buy that and it's like a dollar and you get like a meal right that's how i hit dog on accident um, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, but the only thing I could find to buy was 
um, cockroaches and fruit. So I bought this fruit. I couldn't open the fruit. I could not figure out how to open the fruit. And like, there wasn't really anybody else around to help me open the fruit. So I just had a bag of fried cockroaches. And that was like all I ate that day. And they're like, like crickets are easy. Like other bugs are easy. You just like pop it in, chew it up. You know, they're cooked with like salt and pepper and oils and stuff. It's like eating a chip. Cockroaches are like two biters. Like you're not getting the whole cockroach in. <laughs> it's like a two bite cockroach. Oh no. Yeah. Is it so. good? Is it like a chip? I mean, when you're really hungry in Cambodia, they taste great. <laughs> Could you have, like, obtained nicer food if you not, were willing to spend the money? Not or? there. Like, there was nothing. Like, that was like some little bus stop in, like, the middle of nowhere. Like, there's shacks and villages. Like, maybe I could have gone to someone's house. So what do the locals eat? They just hunt? I mean, I don't know. I think they eat a lot of dog. And, um, like, there's a lot of stray dogs. And, like, you know, like, chicken feet. And, like, you know, like, they eat everything. Like, whatever you can get. So, I just wanted to, you know, be part of that culture and experience it. Yeah. Also, I was poor. So, it was yeah. like, may as well try did all Did you have stuff. a ticket home? Like, how did you know you were going to have enough money to get I did. back so home? So, that $600 ticket I bought originally out of Singapore uh-huh. uh, flew out, you know, back to the United States from Singapore. Well, at some point, I realized maybe I should get Wi-Fi and, like, figure out how I'm going to get back to Singapore for my plane ticket because I lost track of time a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I realized I could not afford to fly from Cambodia to Singapore and get back. And buses would have taken me, like, many days. And I was like, oh, no, what do I do? So I, like, shopped around. I finally found plane tickets to uh, Malaysia that I could afford from Cambodia. So I flew back to Malaysia and then, um, like, took buses from Malaysia back to Singapore re-met up with those people with the parkour gym, stayed with them for a couple nights, and then I flew back to Seattle. And then, ironically, Ethan was in Seattle at that time and gave me a ride all the way back to Idaho. Dang. Yeah. Full circle on that. <laughs> so, no kidding. Yeah. And Sam, I think, just stayed in Australia for a while. I don't remember what he was doing. Huh. But yeah, that was interesting. And then I worked for a while, and then I went on my Central America trip, which is kind of the last like big nomad experience I had. And that was kind of, like, supposed to be a photography trip. And then I ended up, like, getting a job bartending and just, like, stayed there for a while. I I was there for a good portion of that one, too. Yeah, that was fun, (laughs) dude. We went to Cuba. Like, Evan and I went all over the place there for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're like, you know any surf beaches? Yeah, dude, Nicaragua. (laughs) Nicaragua is, like, my favorite country. It's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, really it's beautiful. cheap to get around. The locals know how to party. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I picked up Steven off his street a few times. Yeah, I went a little hard a little bit. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I have a lot of tattoos from that experience, too. Oh, yeah. 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 Is that when you got your... F- no. No, no I had a lot of tattoos But you got, like, that. your fingers and your toes and stuff. Yeah, I got, like, right. some... I don't remember which ones. Some variety. But, mm. yeah, it was quite the experience. And then I overstayed my visa there on accident like i'd spent like i don't even remember really like five or six months kind of just wandering around that area and then nicaragua gives you a three-month tourist visa and i remember at one point being like oh i should turn my phone on and check the date because i knew it was like way after christmas like i i'd spent like christmas new year's there and i'm like i think my like visa is gonna expire mm-hmm. and i remember looking at it and being like oh my visa expired like a while ago, what I should probably leave. Well, I'd heard all these horror stories of that happening to other people, and they try to, like, go to Costa Rica and, you know, like, fly home or, like, go to Costa Rica and come back over the border to get a new stamp. Well, if they check 
hard enough, they'll give you like this massive fine, send you to Managua, which is the capital of Nicaragua, and you have to pay these fines and all of that. Well, um, when I realized I'd overstayed my visa, my first thing I did was book a plane ticket from Costa Rica back to the United States. And I was like, oh, crap, how am I going to get over the border? Mm-hmm. So I remember going to San Juan del Sur, which is kind of in the south of Nicaragua, close to Costa Rica, and being like, okay, I'm going to just go to Costa Rica tonight. I'm going to deal with this. I brought 100 bucks cash. I was like, I think I can bribe the guy. You know, like 100 bucks there goes kind of a long ways. So I thought I'd be able to do that. Well, instead of dealing with it that night, my plane ticket was the next morning, I ran into friends, and they're like, we're going down to party at the beach. Oh, no. <laughs> Ended up staying another night in Nicaragua. Well, the next morning I woke up, and I was like, <gasps> I'm like, I have a I have a flight today. And I was like, I have to bribe a border official today. Like, mm-hmm. this is bad. So, like, I ran. I didn't even put my shirt on. Like, I just grabbed all my stuff in my hands and ran out into the streets. I think it was, like, 6.30 in the morning trying to flag down a taxi. Finally got a taxi driver. And I'm like, rapido, rapido. Like, es muy importante. Like, we got to get to Costa Rica right now. And this guy, like, there's this huge line at the border of all these trucks and stuff. And mm-hmm. this guy could tell I was, like, stressed and needed to catch my flight in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Gets in the shoulder. And I've never seen someone off-road a Corolla quite this hard. Like he's just like, like down the shoulder, like passing all these cars. And like, it was intense. It was super fun. Got me to the border. And I got all my cash together, like just getting it ready. Because I, I just was going to give it to the guy and be like, por favor, por favor. Like, mm-hmm. please don't make me go to Managua. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't look at my stamps. It was like crossing the border any other time. Yeah, well, part of it was I'd gone to and from Nicaragua and Costa Rica a lot. Mm -hmm. And I had Cuba stamps and, like, Asia stamps and Europe stamps, all this stuff. So he was just kind of, like, flipping through my passport like, oh, yeah, bro, you've just been around a little bit. Yeah. Gave me my passport back. I just paid the normal entry fee to Costa Rica and went on my way. I was like, cool. So you got to give your cabbie a tip for. (laughs) I did. (laughs) You know what my favorite thing to say to taxi drivers in those countries is? No. Mi español es solo bien para hablar con chicas borrachas. <laughs> They'd always laugh and give me a better rate. <laughs> for, for our audience that doesn't know what that means, that means my Spanish is only good enough for talking to drunk girls. <laughs> Taxi drivers love that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was quite the experience. Then you made it home. Then I made it home, met a girl, settled down for a few years, and then started with Grindhard. And then the girl ditched me, and now I'm with Grindhard. <laughs> <laughs> On a deeper level than you ever thought possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Steven. Uh, we still have that's to get Steven. into <laughs> how you got started at Grindhard and how you met Ethan and a bunch of other wilderness craziness that you've done on your oh, own. yeah. Like, my travel stories, like, they're pretty wild, but I feel like some of my backcountry stories are even worse yeah. in some ways, like... Yeah. We'll have to do a whole thing about yeah. that. The next one, we didn't touch on like anything to do with Grindhard on this one. So the next one will be all about Grindhard stuff and wilderness stuff and whatever else comes to mind. Very premium. I'm Let's sure things will come up. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for listening to Scent and Bent. Uh, we're available wherever you download podcasts. So, you know, that is what I'm going to say about that. Yep. Just go get those podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Peace.